Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 307 RPG Podcast. I'm Patrick. I'm Nolan. I'm Zach. Well, guys, it's been a busy week for me. Uh, how about the rest of you? Either of you done anything fun or exciting this week? No. Crickets chirping. <sighs> no, I got a lot of stuff coming up for work, so it's just been a lot of preparation. Gotcha. How about you, Nolan? Pretty much the same. It's kind of another week, and next thing I knew, it was over. Yeah, I can understand that. Well, unfortunately, this, you know, this the way this week has kind of gone, we were not able to come up with a definitive new system that we wanted to look at or new book that we wanted to look at. Uh, so we are going to just kind of talk about some of the stuff that is going on with D&D Beyond and some of the changes that are being made since the uh, it was announced that D&D Beyond will be coming in. That, that there was some interesting stuff going on with that. But before we jump into that, um, Let's be on a release advocate of it for us uh, when we're getting things. For the most part, having um, moved even the the ability to have dice rolls digitally, uh, it has been a nice way it has been. Um, and just, again, not having a mountain of books sitting around your house and having everything access at your fingertips has been super handy for me anyway. So... How, do you is it something you recommend to new players? I think that um, from a basic standpoint, if you have uh, if you have the opportunity to use it, I would recommend it. Um, it's really hard to mess up like character creation with this because it walks you through it, and I find that there's a lot of little things that can get forgotten. Um, and then again, just the ability to get familiar with. Um, how your statistics are, how things get filled in. Um, you can graduate or move on to pen and paper if that's your jam. But I find myself using this more and more just for speed and even the ability just to pick up and play anywhere um, just because I have you know some of my stuff on my phone. Uh, if I'm out someplace random and somebody want to play d and I could. And I think that's pretty fun because I have dice in my pocket now. But I, I think it is a good system. Um, I've enjoyed it. I feel like they've done a well job maintaining it, keeping it up to date, um, and innovating on it. The Encounter Builder is something that I use quite often when I was DMing. Um, and again, just having monsters for reference or even as simple things of, I used to be terrified of playing a druid from summoning monsters to actually, or summoning animals and not knowing statistics and trying to track those down because then you start needing monster manual or something like that. And then also your wild shape forms, having those at your fingertip as well. I, I would feel a lot more comfortable playing a druid and being able to track down that information and not bogging down the table. Zach, what about you? I mean, you obviously use D&D Beyond because that's kind of how we do things. But oftentimes I've seen you come to the table and use pen and paper instead. Yeah, I um, like the feeling of uh, having paper. And that's a personal thing. Um, I think as a whole, it's like a really, really good system. It's a really good product. Um, it's great to have, uh, even if I don't necessarily enjoy using my phone for all of my stuff it can it can be kind of difficult to have to swipe along a screen to get to the right place but also like anything else once you know where they are you just know okay two swipes to get to skills from skills i need to get to equipment one swipe to the left 
you know, you can always hit back and like, okay, there's my armor class, that kind of stuff. You get used to using any anything. Just like knowing what sections of the player's handbook have what you need. Like as you use something, you just get used to it. So, so I, would is it something you would recommend to new players? That's really the thing, yeah. I think... I think this is where the issue is coming down the pipe is that they have done such a good job that you could have brand new people just buy the player's handbook. One person buys the player's handbook, one person buys the monster manual, and uh, maybe one person buys the DM's guide all on D&D Beyond. You can share them when you're all in a campaign. And now rather than everyone having to buy a physical book, everyone has access to them all the time. I don't know if it's the kind of thing that D&D Beyond markets themselves to new players. But I, don't know. I think I think you I think it really is a, a pretty handy product. I know that this is the kind of thing that Wizards wanted to make for fourth edition and couldn't get to work. So we've. All of us is at least in, in our in our game. We've actually used D&D Beyond since its inception. I think we were using it in beta form, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and as it grew, we grew with it to the point where now I pay a monthly fee to have the the full DM side of it. Uh, Nolan, do you pay a subscription fee as well? Yeah. OK, Zach, are you paying it too? I pay when it's my turn to DM. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> Maybe I should be better about turning it off when I'm not DMing. But um, so I, I I personally think, especially on the DM side of thing, I really enjoy uh, D&D Beyond. It is nice to be able to go in there and look at characters. And like there's been times where I've looked at a character sheet and somebody's cast like three or four spells and they haven't marked a single spell slot off. And then they go to use another spell that they should have already exhausted. And I'm like, um, you don't have the spell slots for that anymore. So uh, as on the DM side of thing, it's kind of nice to, to take a look at that stuff. One of the things that I don't like is that um, and this is something that Nolan does like is the digital dice in that as the DM, I can't roll them. If I roll a dice, like even if, if typically I have to be on somebody's character sheet and that person's going to see what I roll or it's actually going to broadcast to the whole um, to the whole party because I can log into somebody's character sheet and roll a set of dice as the DM. Up in your game log, you can click who you send it to. Right, right. I'm just talking about like if I just wanted to roll for myself, like if I'm rolling to decide if the monster hit a party member. Um, if I'm going to fudge that roll, I don't need you to see it. Also, it's so much fun to roll dice. It's like what a tactile, <laughs> like just a stupid lizard brain moment of like dropping a bunch of rocks into onto a table and seeing what side comes up. I love it. I, yeah, it depends on the dice. I'm pretty sure Kraken dice always rolled low. Those are my DM dice. I do that on purpose. I'm like, okay, we're gonna grab the shitty dice for, for me to roll against you guys. So, yeah, I think, I think that's kind of the thing about D and D beyond is that they have done such a good job. And the reason that we were going to talk about them is because people didn't even know this, but Wizards of the Coast wasn't affiliated with them. Nope. It was a licensing deal. This company, D&D Beyond, licensed out the rights to produce digital 
copies of fifth edition D&D books. And they did such a good job that people didn't know that it wasn't an official product. Well, and, and Wizards really embraced it, too, because they put out things like D&D Beyond updates and stuff like that, or, you know, things like that, that really played into their products. Uh, Adventure League was a great example. And, and some of their writers were working with D&D Beyond as well to do stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I think if I, I want to say it came out in 2018. Does that sound right, guys? think so i think they were doing some beta stuff but i remember when uh xanathar's guide to everything was about to come out um was when dnd beyond really started a heavy marketing push so yeah about 2017 2018 august 15th 2017 2017 wow there we go and we've been on it since I mean, we truly have. I mean, it launched and all of us jumped on it to see what it was like. And then it was just, you know, your basic character sheets. And 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 that was it. I mean, you didn't have a dice rolling app or anything like that. And I think you could I mean, you could get the books and I think you could share them then. But I don't think it was quite as uh, well. It wasn't quite as in depth as it is now. Um, So that's the big thing to talk about here is that there is a change of ownership Uh, as of March or as of May 18th. D&D will fully transfer over or D&D Beyond will fully transfer over to Wizards of the Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to bring about some changes in, in well, in theory. I know there's a lot of talk about how uh, based on the terms of service and stuff, things should stay relatively the same. Like, you know, there was some concern about people's homebrew content, whether or not it would transfer over. And it does look like, according to the terms of service, that it should transfer over. Note this, the word should. Um, and then you should not lose uh, any of the books you've purchased. And in theory, everything should roughly stay the same. Right? Uh, in theory. In theory, yes. In theory. In theory. Okay. So, so one yeah, of the other uh, things for, that... For a little bit of of history for those because i mean who knows about the obscure ownership history of an obscure website um there was a company D beyond they made the initial bare bones product and then a an llc curse media which is the company that creates all those fandom wikis like if you've ever jumped onto like disney.fandom.com to see what like the history of Donald Duck curse media was the one who made that website. They've just done a ton of them. And, and I if think I'm, like, if I'm not mistaken, curse.com is also like the, the big app that you use to add um, add-ons to your like two games. Like, wow, isn't that correct? Nolan? Uh, it was for a while. Yeah. I think they're getting out of it, but oh, okay. That does sound correct as Curse Forge or something like that was yeah. the big, big download spot. Yeah, so they, um, two, two, three, two or three years ago, probably longer, time is a flat circle, and I still think it's 2020, um, they bought out Wizard uh, D&D Beyond and started making some changes and a lot of the people who were involved in the creation process kind of took their payout and didn't stick around 
and I'm that's not a complaint about curse media like everything's still been working fine but they finally sold to wizards of the coast for 147 million dollars wow that's insane that's a lot of money that's a lot of money it's a whole lot of money i'd be curious to see how many subscribers dnd beyond has paying subscribers mm. That would be interesting to see. So one of my concerns, and, and it has always been one of my concerns with D&D Beyond, and Nolan, I know you've embraced it because it was one of the things that you talked about uh, right from the get-go, was the idea of having digital books. And I've been very, very skeptical of this. Nolan and I have had long conversations about this, um, about buying digital books from a site like this where I can't actually download the PDF. Now, I know there is a download function for the books and i've i've personally never got it to work very well i don't know if either of you have tried and this whole thing concerns me i know they say that you're going to be able to keep it but there's a couple of books that they're going to stop selling zach you brought this to our attention you want to talk about that yeah um on may 17th uh a new book is being released um mordecanian's monsters of the multiverse and it is a reprinting of a lot of monsters and um, character options that were available in two other books, those books being Volo's Guide to Monsters and Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes. And then there's some new things going on in, in this book. Um, and they've updated some things, they've changed some things. But at this point, D&D Beyond is going to stop selling those older books. Um, as of May 17th, if you want Volo's Guide to Monsters or Modern Caden's Tome of Foes, you can't get them on D&D Beyond. If you already own them, you can you still have access to them. But if a new player wants them, they can't get them. Nolan, does that concern you at all? Mm, not at all. Okay. Why would I buy the iPhone 8 for full price when I can get an <laughs> iPhone 11 for the same thing and it's better and improved in every way? All right, that's fair. And all you're going to do is have people, well, I didn't know there was a new version and I bought these as a gift and they're outdated. So we see that with additions as well. If I have the original PHB and you've got a one that was printed the other day, there are spells that they've gone in and fixed and edited and say, well, this isn't the way that specially works anymore. We updated it to be correct or whatever. And now you're playing with two different versions and you get people confused. So um, again, if you rolled in and bought that one and then the next day you realized that this one was for sale and it was updated and had more, you would be more pissed off. Do you have any concern that some of the books that you have paid for that possibly they'll just not let you look at them anymore? No, I mean, and again, like you said, there's a downloadable feature. So if that's the case, they'll give you a heads up like they're doing now. Hey, this is closing down. Go download it. Have you been because, like I said, I have not been able to download. Have you been able to download any of the books yep. successfully? I have the PHB on my phone just in case I don't oh, okay. have internet connection. Okay. But yeah, they are big, and there would be you know a way of again, it would be a planning thing, and it would be an inconvenience. But um, again, they're updating it. You will have access to the old ones if you're there. They are updating monsters, making them more difficult and or in line with player power so it's going to be better um but if you already own them and for whatever reason you want to go and make them easier or don't like the new system uh on your dnd beyond sheet you'll have a legacy button and you can click that button and it will revert stats to the old system uh, okay 
Yeah, that's that's their plan there is basically this one book makes those two books obsolete. Or you could buy them, but I mean at that point it's it's collector's edition, you know, type type mentality. Um so you get two books ish for the price of one now. And I think Zach mentioned too, this is kind of their push into next gen updates. There are some things that are glaringly undertuned or overtuned and if you're playing a character and this, you know, not to have fun or trying to be optimal, your options are really limited. And so I'll be curious to see how they bring some of these in um, that are good or bad. Uh, D&D Beyond did have an update kind of so you could kind of see what was happening. Uh, they did an example of Hobgoblins and Kobolds, um, giving you some extra options of, say, you know, in the past hobgoblins were martial weapon fighters and light proficiency for free maybe that's not your jam um and i use that uh quite literally because there is a picture of a bard holding an axe slash loot that's a hobgoblin and now they have a hobgoblin trait that they can take where they can take the help action as a bonus uh action uh, equal to the number of proficiency bonuses per long rest so if you do want to play a hobgoblin bard berry and, and want something else to do besides just rage about, you know, uh, somebody playing the drums bad, you now have, can take the help action. Uh, so uh, kobolds looked like they were getting an upgrade as well, so they weren't just cowering and sniveling, which, again, and beg. Um, and so if you want I'm any more... I'm air quote upgrade here. Yeah, no, that it's a pretty good one. Grovel was fantastic. Um, but now you can take a few more skills. Um so I, I mm -hmm. think some of that stuff is good. More options for characters. Again, uh, I'm never going to be mad at as a player. Um, not, uh, I don't know. I, I think we can sit there and say, oh, that's an elf and it's Legolas. And then you even read like a Tolkien work and he gets really mad that Legolas was made to be basically an elven princess. Um, in his descriptions, Legolas was big and muscular and kind of a, a very... Uh, scary looking fighter type person and they kind of just reverted him back and he really hated the fan fiction because it got pigeonholed into that and so now build what you want oh you're a kobold you're a character like actually i'm the bravest kobold on planet motherfucking earth bitch like you're like oh shit i didn't see that coming like what are you you know so have fun don't be pigeonholed but i'm excited for it i like the stats moving around build what you want to play i think most tables were doing that already um because at the end of the day the number one rule is fun yeah. yeah. So I'm yeah, looking I, at these. Cool. I'm looking at the source library, and of course, every book you can, every hardcover book that you can get is available in the source in the source library. There's also several adventures that I'm noticing are popping up in here that uh, I'd imagine were released as like extra life stuff or things that they released on um, the DMs Guild. Uh, the Lost Laboratory of Qualish was an extra life thing that's available on here. Uh, Dragons of Ice Spire Peak, that was a starter edition, or yeah, starter uh, set adventure, wasn't it, Nolan? Yep, that was an updated, uh, the next generation starter set. Yeah, Lokath Rising, Infernal Machine Rebuild. So there are options on here, official D&D adventure options on here that are cheaper than buying like a $50 book, which is something I've ranted about multiple times. Um, and then there's, um, of course, all the source books, you know, the Monsters Manual, the Eberron, the, the Morden Canaan's, uh, you know, things like that. But there's also some other things like Sage Advice Compendium. There's the Morden Canaan's Fiendish Folio. So there's there's other options in here that are not just the $50 books. Now, the unfortunate thing is, is that if you're purchasing one of the source books, 
you don't really get a price discount, even if you're buying a digital book. Nope. Which we've and seen that's wizards the thing about despite uh, every crypto shills promises, um, there's no way to resale digital items. No, there's not. I can I can go down to a bookstore and I can find an old version of the player's handbook and maybe pick it up for like five bucks. Yeah. Hell, your library might have them. That, true. And I mean, even Amazon has a used option. Even Amazon has a used option. They do Slide. have various sales throughout the month or the year too, though. They do. You're absolutely right. And they do. Like that's that's a great point to have. You can always wait around Christmas. They usually discount a lot of the old stuff. Um, and as we've seen, uh, as you know, Valve made very clear 15 years ago, piracy is not an issue of um, money. It's an issue of access people will pay what they think is a reasonable price for digital items. If you make them hard to get, then they steal them. So, um, but that's also, that's still the thing is that, yeah, it is a digital product. You can't own it unless you can hold it in your hands. It's, it's still not really yours. Um, But I think the big thing is that the reason that I wanted to, talk about this and bring this up is that I think it's a great thing to have, but wizards just spent $147 million on it. And they're going to want to make their money. They're going to want to make their money back. What's that? Uh, I looked it up a while ago. It's like the rule of 70 or something like that, where you should double your money in seven years. Oh, if you yeah, make an investment absolutely. or something. So like, they're going to want, in seven years, Wizards is going to want $280 million out of D&D Beyond. I don't know how much money they've been making up until this point. But if... That's a lot of money. That's a whole lot of money. A quarter of a billion dollars just off of this website. And the worry, my worry at least, with this sale is that we're going to get a lot more predatory pricing models of like, do you want to access the stuff you've paid for five bucks a month, even if you already bought these things that there's now a subscription that's required, not optional. I'd be really curious to see how they would justify something like that. It, I don't think that will happen, but I could see it happening. And although, no, because like even even with um, Magic the Gathering Online, MTGO, uh, you would buy cards. You didn't have to pay a monthly subscription, but you did pay for the cards. Arena is the same way. You don't pay a monthly subscription. You still buy them. You you have them in digital format yeah. for however long you want to have them. I mean, as long I mean, even if you're not playing, you technically just like World of Warcraft, anything I've purchased in World of Warcraft, I technically have. Well, I guess, yeah. no, that would be a great example of what you're talking about, Zach. If, if I don't. Shuts down. Yeah. Well, if the game shut down or if I don't pay my monthly subscription, I don't have access to anything that I've paid for in World of Warcraft. And it, it might not actually be about um, being a good product that people will buy. It might be that a certain person 
wants to be able to go to shareholders and say, look at how much value I have created in this company by introducing these pricing options so that those investors will drive the price of the stock up and then they can claim a higher bonus and leave. That's the issue that we have in a lot of publicly traded companies, even privately traded companies, is that it's about increasing the price of the stock. And so it might not even yeah. be about like making money. It could be this happens in video games all the time. It's about making potential investors see a product worth investing in so that they can just cash out. Because it doesn't matter if the thing burns down or if it's a bad pricing option, if the person who implemented these changes can get a golden parachute and then leave. And that's my worry. My worry is that D&D Beyond, up until this, up before May 18th, was a source of revenue for Wizards of the Coast. And now D&D Beyond has turned into a $147 million mortgage that they want to pay off. True. Nolan, do you have any concerns with this sale? You're the one who's probably the most deeply invested in D&D Beyond of the three of us. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, the nice thing is with Hasbro having it, um, we'll, um, being a publicly traded company, you'll be able to see how many users there are, right? So if you buy a book, I get $50 from you once. If you have three people that use it monthly, and that's where that's where the money is, right? The money is in reoccurring users. So if you're paying a minimum of $5 a month and you have half a million users, it doesn't take you long to pay off that tab. Sure. And so that's where I'm curious. That's where most things, you can buy a Peloton bike once, but the money comes in the, the, the monthly reoccurring subscription. And that's where, that's where the money is. And this is why I see this being a bigger win for them than anything else. Because I could skip a book and not buy it at all, but I'm still paying my five bucks a month to get to my old stuff. Why would they, why would they say, you know what I mean? It, it's the same thing like World of Warcraft. They get their money every single month. They don't care how many users they have. They get to double dip. The new book comes out. They get $60 per user. They make, you know, 1.2 million users, whatever, worldwide. And then they all leave and they're done. They got their money. Now what do we do to supplement through the rest of the term? Well, we get their subs. And if half the player base leaves, we still are doing okay. And so I think this is, I, I haven't actually bought a book on D&D Beyond, but I pay the monthly sub. So they're making more money off me if they by having the system than not. I thought you did buy books on D and D Beyond. I do. I just said I haven't bought one in a while. There hasn't. Oh, I didn't. Okay, okay. I, I didn't care about any of the Feywild stuff. I didn't. We weren't playing those games. You know, if we're going to play something, I'll pick it up. Um, I think I have most of the player stuff, but when a campaign comes out, I don't buy it because I don't want to read or look through <laughs> right, it. Right. Right. And so again, they're making money off of people who aren't actively buying their product every month. They're probably making more money. Right. I'm sorry. I, I misunderstood you. So yeah, I, I like to pick up the source books. I like to pick up the player stuff. I don't touch the adventures, but they put out an adventure. They still at least made $5 off me where they would have made zero. Mm -hmm. Right. I was trying to look and see if I could find something that kind of estimates how many players or how many people are actually using D&D Beyond as paid subscribers. I couldn't not, find anything. So yeah. Since it I, is a, a, a smaller company like that, they don't have to report to shareholders. But now that it's Hasbro, you'll see what it is on their bottom line. And, right, right. And, and you'll know. You'll know how quickly it is like, holy cow, it's not as many as I thought. We're in trouble. And then I'll actively look at something there. But my assumption uh, is by the time it shuts down, 
we'll be playing what sixth edition. So yeah, fair. Yeah, I I think uh, I think Wizards of the Coast bought the tool set now that I think as long as they decide to continue supporting it, it'd be sixth, seventh, eighth edition. It's just D and D beyond, and you just. Rather, right now, it just jumps straight to the fifth edition thing, and then uh, now it'll pop up, and it'll be like, click on what issue, you know, fifth or sixth, you click on that, and it goes to a different website. But Or even look at it from a standpoint of, maybe they don't do anything with it. You just leave it on. Just leave it on, yeah. We're no longer supporting this thing, but we're going to leave it on. If you want to pay your $5 a month, we've moved on. Yeah. I mean, you see that with, I mean, there's still people to play EverQuest 25 years later, right. and they, they yeah. do very minimal support and update. They do an expansion here and there, but for the most part, it's people hooked into the drug, right? So you could Same. let it go and just let it be, and I'd still pay the five bucks as long as we're doing I'm sure there's people out there still hunting down 3.5 edition stuff. So I was reading this little paragraph uh, about the acquisition. I'll just read this real quick. It says, on April 13th, 2022. Hasbro announced a large portion of Hasbro's overall earnings. seems like a small price to pay in order to lock down a platform with repeatedly close to 10 million users. That's a lot. So I, sh I said repeatedly and I meant reportedly. Gizmodo commented that once D&D Beyond is an official part of Wizards of the Coast, they might offer some kind of cross-compatibility with digital products across multiple sites, toolkits, and virtual tabletops, making the capital barriers to gameplay less excruciating but also the un or the uniform and consolidation of digital tools under a single company banner is not good for competition and therefore causes a player to have fewer options for gameplay. If fans still have to pay two or three times for a module class or item description across both Watsi products and DMD beyond, it's unlikely to create a sustainable market. You know, that's a good point. Um, we've talked about using things like roll 20, and it comes down to, okay, well, do we pay for it digitally? Do we pay for it? You know, how are we going to get it? Nolan, like like he's mentioned, buys his stuff usually through like D&D Beyond when he decides he's going to buy something. Um, and I'm not 100% sure that source books are available on uh, virtual tabletops as much as they are D&D Beyond. I mean, they probably are. So, yeah, where do you buy, right? Where do you go? Do you, do you pay for it on, on virtual tabletop so you get all the tokens and stuff that you can implement into it? Uh, do you purchase on D&D Beyond so you can use it there? How is it done? So Or or is Wizards going to turn around and buy like Roll20? I, well, I, I don't I, think they have to because they, they just bought the thing that will replace Roll20. But it hasn't yet. So do you... That, buy that, that probably wasn't their goal, right? That wasn't D&D Beyond's goal then. It very well could be now. Yeah, why would you like But again, who again, maybe they don't want to. Like, you know. Yeah. You know, this company makes great pizzas, but we supply the dough. 
we don't need to get in the yeah, pizza no, business. True. They're buying our dough and just let it be. So, and again, they're, they're making money off of it. You buy where you play. And I think the more opportunities you have to, I know that we wouldn't be doing as much stuff if it wasn't for D&D Beyond, right? Our Monday night game, we probably wouldn't have anything. You know, we would just play something that we had already bought in, right? On a book one time over. Sure, yeah. There's just a lot of stuff through COVID. We wouldn't have done half of what we've done. Um, and as far as physical books, they're very rarely cracked open at our table anymore. I put a PHB on the table every single week at our table and it maybe gets looked through because Zach's bored and wants to look at pages and fill a book in his hand. That's fair. I think the only That's person true. who really cracks books at our table is usually me. Yeah, if you're looking through like the Monster Manual or something like that because you don't yeah. have a tablet yeah, can pull boards because three or four things at once. Right. That's exactly it. I want to have multiple pages. So I have my tablet plus the books. That's, so I think those are the things. I, if you, you, that's how I was running it. I had my computer with a few tabs and the book to my right. Yep. Yeah. And I do. I, I like a lot of what they do. Like, don't get me wrong. Like the books are a side point of it. Um, but the character building sheets are phenomenal. Being able to create my characters. I, I was looking through, I have 13 characters saved. It's kind of like a little journal of my history of D&D Beyond. It's nice to see my characters versus my 3.5 guys are in a, uh, a binder in my shelf, you know, the type situation. Um, so the, the encounter builder itself to me, if I'm a DM, is worth four ninety nine a month just so I can plug and play stuff because um, I can build cal- uh, based upon the challenges that I feel is necessary and have the statistics there, that the speed at which I can get through monsters as a druid um, to summon stuff to not bog down. Like there's just a lot of little things in there where I'm like, I find value in this. And the fact that I get my books on there too is kind of a bonus because I, I probably would be, I mean, I think I own every 3.5 edition. I know I gave away almost every fourth edition book. I would, I would buy the fifth edition, but I know that I can look in my closet and on the floor, there is, um, some vampire books that is hanging out that I don't crack open. But I also will hop into D&D Beyond and, and cycle through and look at stuff periodically. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, just because it's more convenient for me to to look at that tab. And also there's days at work on a Saturday where I don't have anything going on. So I might as well look at some D&D stuff that I didn't bring up, you know, 30 books right. to work to look at. So It's true. When I worked with you, you and I did that a lot. Yeah. It's fun. So I don't know. It, it, it fits I, my lifestyle, my needs. Um, if it goes away, um, I'm sure I will sing a different tune and be sad about some stuff. But as it sits right now, it, I enjoy it. Um, it has been a, a big benefit to, I feel like, our circle of playing because I've gotten a chance to play online. And I find it, I find for a player, um, it's a lot easier to grab somebody new and say, here's your character, follow the steps, let's build it. I struggled with roll 20 from that standpoint because I wasn't familiar with the system. It was like, I'm right. sure it's phenomenal once you know how to use it. Um, but but a character sheet on D&D Beyond is almost idiot proof. I mean, you can, oh, you mean this one right here where the five? Yeah, click the five on athletics. Oh, it rolled and it did the math. Oh, I got a 12. Cool, we're moving along. I know that before when we were using roll 20, or I was paying, I mean, it was little over $10 a month for both services. Mm-hmm. So we could have the Roll20 platform as well as have the, the D&D Beyond as the DM. And it just got, it, it gets expensive, you know, when you're constantly dumping like monthly fees into your, to your hobbies that I do think you start picking and choosing which ones you want to pay for. I was looking at this, this Wikipedia for D&D Beyond and they were talking about um, 
books. And this is something that I think is important to remember. And we kind of, I kind of touched on it a little bit uh, when I was talking about the source books that were available. One of the things that Wizards has done with D&D Beyond, D- I, I want to say that first off, Wizards has been incredibly supportive of the platform incredibly supportive um, making it unless you knew you're paying fandom it looks like an official wizards of the coast dungeons and dragons product uh, so great great work on them one of the things that i liked about it was you can do a la carte i know when our friend john started playing with us he wanted to be able to use uh, green flame blade but he didn't want to pay for the book but he could buy the spell a la carte the spell. yeah so he did that and it's like i, I want to say it was like a dollar 99 or 2.99 or something like that and it does keep in mind that as you if you are buying a lot of a la carte stuff from one book and you decide, well, screw it, I'm just going to buy the book, you will get a discount on the book. It does keep all that stuff in mind. Um, anything that Wizards of the Coast puts out for free for people is typically available for free on D&D Beyond. Um, so there's there's a lot of stuff that 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 because they've been so supportive of the product that as a as a D&D player, um, if you haven't used D&D Beyond, I mean, as soon as you sign up, you get access to a lot of stuff. It is a great product. Like, I think that's where my concern really comes from. Not that the product will stop being good, but that someone at Wizards is going to try to turn it into a monetization nightmare. Could be. Um or they're going to take the models that they've used for magic and mm-hmm. just say, here's the product. We provide you with the playing, you know, the area to play. Um, if you want to play, you have to buy the cards. Um, I just, I worry when we start seeing stuff like this. And 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 I said this with magic. Uh, I, my biggest fear with magic was when they were really pushing arena, it felt to me like they were trying to push stores out and just go digital. Now, I said that three or four years ago now. They're still putting out products. I mean, COVID made everything difficult and we are slowly seeing magic tournaments return to like different conventions and stuff. Uh, I don't know. I don't think we've seen. Well, we have not seen the return of Magic Fest like Grand Prix, but it is slowly starting to come back. Uh, We have seen in-store play resume. Uh, It does seem like Wizards is, you know, fully supporting their card game uh, with the production of actual cards. So I don't I. So that has tempered my fear considerably. So it, I do think that eventually we are going to see, I mean, the cost of printing is just ridiculous anymore and it just keeps going up. And I, and we see it with every game company around that they struggle to get products out on time. They struggle with printing costs. The cost of books are just going to go up. Eventually it's going to get to the point where it's just not cost efficient to produce a book. It's just how it's going to be, unfortunately. Uh, or they're going to be putting out just collector's editions of books, and you can buy them for like $100 a piece. And if you really want it, you can buy the digital. Nolan, would you? how would you feel if they actually gave you a PDF of the actual book versus how? Because these books are not set up like the actual books are. They're, they're set up in kind of bite-sized little grabs, if you will, for each book that you can flip through rather quickly. It's it's almost easier to read the book in that in that fashion. Uh, would you prefer it the way it is or would you prefer the actual PDF? I like the way they have it set up because it's just, like you said, easier to navigate. I can click on where I want to go and get there. Um, there are some things, though, that I do notice that, like, you 
can very easily miss because you don't click on the right link. I mean, there are just certain things in a book that doesn't come up sometimes. And so you might miss a page and not even realize you missed, you know, some of the book. So you might be getting a, a consolidated version of it just by how you click. But I do find it super easy. Like, you know, I can click on an iSpire Peak. Where are you guys at? You're at the uh, Dwarven Excavation section. Okay, here's the location overview, and I'm there. And I could run an encounter right now based upon this book. I've got my notes. I've got my, oh, there's a commoner. I click on the commoner, or I hover over the commoner, and here's the statistics. Here's a commoner. Yeah. Zero challenge, challenge rating, 10 armor class, 4 hit points. Oh, here's some rations. Here's, oh, here's some, you know. Sending stones, like they're all right there, what I need. I'm not flipping through, okay, hold on, let me grab the DMG for the magic item thing. You know, here's this, here's the map. I mean, it's just speed at which I can get stuff done. I feel like I can retain players' interest better. Now, that's because I'm not necessarily a good DM that, you know, has a ton prepared or can think on my toes like that. I like having this stuff in front of me. Having a player version of the map that I can click one button and share that's completely different than the one uh, um, that I see on my screen, you know, there's just a lot of little things. It's a well-designed product. And if I look at stuff too, as far as price point goes, like I can pick up the, you know, the, uh, critical role campaign for 29 bucks and we could play it and we can enjoy it and we could have hours of fun. And if it goes away, it goes away, but we played it, we enjoyed it. We had hours of fun, or we could go to the movie as a table and spend $180 after popcorn and everything. You know, or we could spend 30 bucks and play a campaign and have those memories. So if it goes away, it goes away for me. That's a good point that you mentioned there that it was $29. And I guess I thought all the books were the same price as the physical copy. Well, I don't know. Critical Role yeah. called The Nether Deep is $29.99 on here. Okay. I think it just depends sometimes. Some of them aren't yeah. so expensive. The Like you said, you get them on sale too. You know, I think Amazon, it's going to be a little bit cheaper. It's hard for me to see because <laughs> we are sharing so much. <laughs> right. Yeah, I click on something. I'm like, oh, no, no one owns that one. That's why I can see it. Okay. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Seriously, I'll be curious to see where they go. But like I said, if, if half of those numbers are true, if it has that many users using it and say, you know, of those uh, eight are paying for it at a bare bones of a monthly sub in four years, you've paid your tab. That's if right. nobody buys an additional book and you just leave it on. So you sell a book at 25 bucks and those people pick it up. You put out the player one, 1% your table does. And then, you know, I mean, they're just, I don't know. I'd be interested to see the numbers. It feels like they probably got a pretty good deal on that. I think you're probably right. They're, so I, they're selling digital dice and whatever right. add-ons come next. I, I don't understand why I have access to some of these books. Just because like, out there. Candlekeep Mysteries. I don't I never bought it. I did. No one did. Oh. Because I thought we were gonna play it at one point. So I grabbed it. Well, that's a good book to have. Because <laughs> we will play it at one point. What about Storm King Sun? You bought Storm King Thunder too. Yeah, no, I, I, I've been a fan of D and D Beyond since it came out. We've advocated everybody use it. We've tried to get people using. I know, like, 
we've had some people struggle to use it uh, at our table. They just have a hard time navigating it. And I think it more comes down to they just don't spend enough time messing with it. And it can be a little bit of a CPU slog as far as older phones go. I know when I updated my phone and stuff like that, I've had much better luck with it. But on the computer, right. when we play, I don't have any issues. It thumps along. Yeah, it does. And I've, I've done it where I've had my laptop, my tablet, and a book. So <laughs> so I had all sorts of stuff that I could pull from. Uh, yeah, I think it's a great product. I I don't know that, like I said, my concerns about Magic were that that Wizards was pulling away from the, the physical copy and they just wanted to do digital. Uh, I don't think that, at least not in the immediate future, I don't think that's actually going to happen. I do think my concerns are a little bit premature i'm not saying it's a, it won't happen but i don't think it's going to happen anytime super soon and i think that's the same case with the books for dnd beyond my biggest fear has always been what if the program closes will you actually get the you know the pdf of the book because i can't imagine they're going to ship you a giant box full of books nolan uh, nobody wants to pay that shipping cost um but at least hopefully that you're able to you know get the pdf in some form um but again, I think in this day and age, people are pretty much used to paying for digital service. And if they stop paying for it, not having anything to show for it. Yeah. So. Well, anything else we want to bring up about it, Zach? This was your idea today. No, I just think it's kind of. I think it's I think it's indicative of the future. And I know we've talked about like my thing with Roll20 that just came up real quick is that I don't think. Wizards will keep their stuff on Roll20 for much longer. Once the licensing agreement is done, I don't think they'd keep it. I think Why they can will be- until they can have a platform. Yeah. Uh, and I think yeah. D&D Beyond will become that platform. It'll become their virtual tabletop platform. They already have mm-hmm. the they have the best character sheets around. Um, yep. So there's and no point in the I, I, I truly think, you know, they're going to get either they're going to buy Roll20 or Astral. And allow other people to pay to use their service like other games, or they're going to create their own and model it after one of those. And then, like you said, pull everything back and just put it on their platform. And that's where they're going to make their money. Exactly. I don't think they'll come. Why would you compete with yourself? Right. What people are going to jump like, I'm sorry for all the people who are already on roll 20. But like that was a one time thing. You bought the fifth edition, whatever. And now you're paying roll 20. Why would wizards do that? Why keep competing with themselves? Once roll 20s, once all the roll 20 functions have been replicated on D&D Beyond, why would you keep why would you keep roll 20? Why it just depends on the cost. Happen? Yeah, it yeah. depends on the cost. It, it may not be cost, worth their time. Though. It might just be easier to write a check for D&D Beyond but keep doing what you're doing, it makes money. Don't do anything so, else. Right. You know, they may it may get worse because they may not innovate anymore because they may just want to maintain. But who knows? Yeah. So I think I will say as a closing that. thing, Patrick, to make you feel it is the tenth anniversary of Diablo three. Oh, don't is know it really? How that happened ten years, but Wow. Yeah, that's right. Did not know that. Well, I guess there you go. As a closing note, it is the tenth anniversary of Diablo three. And with that, that is gonna be our show for this week. We'll figure out a topic that we can get on here soon, guys. We just, I don't know, things have been really hectic for all of us. So, um, but we'll, we'll get our shit together eventually. <laughs> Until then, we will chat with you next time. Bye. Bye, everyone.